So uh, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy and <laughs> often uh, I am my own worst enemy. And so I'll tell you a little story. So over the last week, I've had this like toothache or something way back in my mouth, kind of beyond the last molar where your wisdom teeth would be and on the bottom of my gum. And uh, I thought it was just an ulcer. And so I've been just like, I, I bought cream to put on it. And, uh, and the good thing is I have a brother-in-law who's a dentist. And so um, it just hasn't been going away. And then today I'm, you know, I'm like feeling around in there and I've been like flossing really hard thinking, oh, there's food stuck in there. There's something wrong. What's going on? Well, today I literally feel it, it seemed like maybe a tooth was protruding. And so I'm wondering, is there a fifth wisdom tooth? Or, you know, I know I'm smart, but to have five wisdom teeth, come on. Anyway, so I'm, I'm like picking at this. It's really sore. It's been crazy sore. And uh, so I called, I was texting my sister and it's like, hey, I'm having issues with my, with my, this gum issue or whatever. So ended up driving to Habit of Grace. My brother-in-law was able to see me, took x-rays. It's not another wisdom tooth. It's my own fault of like picking and overflossing this ulcer. It's like a huge ulcer in my mouth. So he gave me medicine and I drove back home. So that's my story. And um, I often like overdo things when I'm when I have some sort of sore injury maybe you can relate to it but I'm going to transition and say Jonah was his own worst enemy too and the reason why is because he didn't follow the Lord he sought to basically just believe in uh his own personal relationship with God Jonah was an Israelite but he had no concern for the nations. He had no concern for Nineveh. And because of that, he became his own worst enemy and God basically judged him. And so we're going to look for the next few weeks at the book of Jonah, another wilderness saint. Now, what I would say about him is he created his own wilderness by disobedience. And really, that's what you see all through the scriptures. We've been talking about different stories and the people of Israel often, when they were in the wilderness, they were there because they disobeyed the Lord. And God sent them wandering uh, instead of being able to enter into the promised land to teach them uh, a lesson. But guess what? God loves his people and he directs them. And so, um, you know, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, um, you know the basic storyline, but some of you may have just been familiar with the veggie tales story of Jonah. So um, it's a little bit different than, than what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, but uh, they do a pretty good job of it, actually. Um, but I think this is really important story in terms of the context of where we are as a culture and in 2021. And I, I want to say that because I believe that there's these parallels. Jonah was an Israelite who lived during a time of prosperity in Israel. And he was during the time of Jeroboam II, this king. This is in the 8th century BC. Assyria is the major enemy of Israel. 
But at this point, Assyria is distracted by other enemies, and Jeroboam was able to expand Israel's borders to their original place. So they had prosperity, they had security, and they had a lot of nationalism, and what I would call Hebrew nationalism. And you see that in the life of Jonah, because he had great disdain for the Assyrians, and especially for Nineveh, and that's why he doesn't want to go there. But guess what? Um, what we're going to look at is uh, because God loves the nations, the tragedy of Jonah, you know, this tragic story of a prophet who disobeys cannot thwart the strategy of God. So we're going to look at two points, the tragedy of Jonah the pro prophet and the strategy of God's sovereign love in this. And so the tragedy is simply this. He was a prophet of God and he knew the word of God. And yet he did not follow it. it. Says in verse one and two. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me." But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so the tragedy is, you have a prophet of the Lord who received the word of the Lord. Out of all the people during that time in Israel, only the prophets had that personal relationship where they received God's word, especially. They were the privileged few. In fact, Sinclair Ferguson mentions um, that Jonah was one of the privileged uh, people as a prophet of the Lord uh, who heard the word of the Lord. Um, he experienced God. He knew God. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the law, the books of the law. He knew the covenants. He knew about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he knew about uh, Noah. He knew about Moses and God delivering his people and bringing them to the promised land. He knew about the conquest of Joshua. He knew the law of God, and he knew that people would receive the God. In fact, um, Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings under Elijah's ministry, and, and some believe that he was maybe in the school of prophets under Elijah. So to some extent, he was like a seminary student. He was, he was taught by maybe Elijah, the prophet. Some um, Jewish tradition says that he was the son of the woman of Zarephath, who Elijah raised from the dead. Can you imagine that? If this Jonah was actually the little boy that Elijah raised from the dead, He's had the power of God. He's had the word of God. He's been trained in the, in the word of God, and he's been a prophet. And here God speaks to him, and he runs the other way. It sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? We may know the Lord. We have his word. We have the scriptures. We have all these blessings. We, we are on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. And if you're a Christian, maybe you grew up in the church. And you know your heart. I know my heart that we still disobey. We still willfully like run the other way. God says, do this. We run the other way. You know, and this is, this is the picture of Jonah, the prophet. It's a very real picture. God is giving us of, you know, one of these privileged few who knew the word, knew the Lord, knew he, who he was, and yet is refusing uh, to follow him. Um, he says this, like, hey, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Um, 
and in the in the midst of that he flees and so um you know one of the things that, that the passage talks about is he flees the Tarsus and that was um they believe basically on the western side of the Mediterranean so if you think of present-day Israel uh and then Nineveh was like where present-day Iraq or Mosul was and so he is going in 180 degree opposite direction as far away from what God wanted him to do as he could. And even when he's on the boat and the storm is happening, he flees underneath in the bottom of the boat to get away from the storm, to get away, and he falls fast asleep. And so um, his name as well means uh, dove. Uh, Jonah means dove. And instead of like flying and, and being a peaceful, you know, messenger to the people of Nineveh about the God of Israel, he instead flees on the other side and flies away, he tries to fly away. And ultimately, he'd rather die. <laughs> this is how tragic uh, his life is. Um, he's supposed to be alive. He's supposed to be God's instrument of the judgment and the grace of God to Nineveh so that they would repent. And he's supposed to be this instrument to take the living word of God. But instead, he seeks death. He tells the people uh, that are in charge of the ship, he says, pick me up, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Again, he realizes that God is disciplining him. He realizes that the storm is because of him, that God is doing something powerful. And he would rather die than bring the word of life to the people of Nineveh who were dying. And so this is a big warning for all of us, especially those of us who've grown up around the Bible or in the church. We know the word of God. We know the stories of God. And the same commission God gives us to take the word of life, uh, the word of God to other people, to neighbors and friends and roommates and and people in our family, and it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard uh, to take the word of God and to tell other people about it. We would rather run away. We'd rather be safe. We'd rather not deal with the peer pressure. Um, and so this is a warning for all of us um, that knowledge about God, knowledge about the Bible, just head knowledge, is not real relationship. It's not really following God. It hasn't worked its way down into our hearts and into our will. And so I think one application from this is because we're a lot like Jonah is we just need to repent. We need to run to the Lord and ask him to search our hearts to know us so that we would repent and truly uh, follow him. So why did he refuse? Why did he refuse? There, there's probably other reasons, but I do think one is just security peace and safety. Um, again, he was living during this time of that Israel was actually in a prosperous, safe, secure place, and their borders were restored by, Joe, or by Joe, Jeroboam II. And so they have this great national identity as a people. They're thinking, hey, we're the chosen ones. We're blessed. But that's, that's the other thing. Um, I believe that what happened is he thought about the blessing of God in a very selfish way. And he probably, he recognized that, hey, we're the people with the covenant. We're the people with the word of God. 
Um, we're the chosen people. We're Abraham's family. But he forgot that when the Lord gave the covenant to Abraham, he said, I want you to be a blessing to the nations. That God, even back there, always had a missionary heart for the nations, for other people. Um, and so this is the tragedy that he selfishly wants to experience the grace and the blessing and the prosperity of God himself, but not give it to other people, not being a conduit of God's blessing to, to the stranger, to the alien, to those with, from other countries and other places like Assyria. He hated his enemies, the Assyrians. Um, and so this is a call for us as well to recognize um, that God calls his church, his people to love the nations, to love those that are different from us, to love people from every tribe and tongue to see that they're made in the image of God, that, that we're not a special people because God has blessed us. We're, we're special because God does love us, but part of that is taking that love and that blessing out to other peoples. We can never be selfish with it. Um, we don't deserve it. In fact, Israel in Deuteronomy 7, God says to them, like, I didn't choose you because, like, you were better than other people or you know, because you were stronger or bigger than other people. I chose you just because, because I loved you. And that's, that's grace. You know, it's not because of our obedience. It's because of the obedience of Jesus. It's not because we deserve to be loved by God. It's, it's literally just sheer grace. It's, and that should take our breath away, but it should also turn us into people that want to show grace to other people, different races, different religions, different uh, cultures. And so we're kingdom people first, right? We can never let our cultural nationalism or our political parties be what rules us. We have to be kingdom people first, that King Jesus is our Lord. And whenever there's a conflict, we always have to bow our knee to Jesus, like the apostles did in Acts. They said, we we can't serve you. We have to serve God rather than man. And so, um, you know, this, this is hard work for us um, because our culture is so divided now. And there's all this, these ideas of like nationalism and Christian nationalism and kind of this weird trying to kind of marry these two things. And we really can't do that. We are kingdom people and we need to love Jesus and recognize that he's blessed us, man. He's put us in this amazing country country what a blessing that is but that's so that we serve that's so we love that's so we reach out uh to those who are in need and we love our enemies and we share the gospel and we share our resources and we share our time and we share our gifts and we let them know that like man we're nothing special we're only special because god loves us nothing about us and we want them to experience that too so this is the hard work we have to do for remembering our identities in christ it's not about like what we've accomplished, our GPA, our career, how much money we have in the bank, what family we come from, what political party we are. It's literally because Jesus loves us and he's put us in his church by grace and we have to share that with other people. So Jonah forgot who he was in the Lord and, you know, Hebrew nationality became his thing and uh, he had no love for Assyria and God was calling him to that. So that's the, that's the tragedy of Jonah. But 
God's strategy was sovereign grace. And so let's, let's unpack that real quick. Um, so despite Jonah's refusal to be God's vessel, God's plans go forward anyway. This is, this is really amazing, okay? God will succeed. God's sovereign grace will go forward. He will share his word to the nations. And so we see that especially in this passage to these pagan sailors on the boat, right? What is God doing? Well, first he's using the creation. Uh, he's bringing about this tempest, this storm. Um, he uses a storm. He uses unbelieving sailors. He uses a fish, right? He, he uses a, uh, a crap game, right? Throwing the dice. Um, and he uses all of these things because he's sovereign and in control of all things. Like, that the God of the Bible is not like a deistic clockmaker who, you know, creates the earth and the, all the laws and just sets everything. He breaks in. He breaks in time and time again. He's sovereignly ruling and reigning. Um, in his creation and so he sends this wind he sends this tempest he sends this storm to get to get both Jonah's attention and also the attention of these sailors to like say hey what's going on here and so God uses the unbelievers in this doesn't he, he uses these sailors really to convict Jonah and to actually get him to tell the truth um, and the the first thing is the captain you know, when the storm hits, he, he's, he like says to Jonah, he's like, call on your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. <laughs> I mean, the Lord was working in him. They cast lots, right? And the lot falls on Jonah. And it's amazing here because the sailors, they have this view that evil and sin will be judged. And so they knew something was wrong. This storm they knew was was there was something wrong in the boat there was somebody that was was disobeying and they understood by general general revelation and by this storm that god is a fierce god and he will judge the wicked and and they understood cause and effect so um you know they didn't know the personal god of jonah yet but they would by the end of the story so the second thing is the captain grills and asks jonah these questions it's basically like interrogation he's like you know what's your occupation you know where do you come from what's your country and Jonah gives a, a very clear answer he didn't do this on purpose to witness he's, he's being interrogated but God is bringing up all this stuff he says I'm a Hebrew I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land and so Jonah is reluctantly basically telling them the gospel or telling them the first part of the gospel uh, that he fears God, that God made the entire earth. And uh, it's not because Jonah was coming forward on his own, the, the, the captain is pulling it out of him. But it's through this that it seems like they are converted because ultimately the storm gets more and more fierce and uh, they're calling out um, they begin to call out to the Lord, Yahweh. If you see in your Bible, they're calling out to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. It says, therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us the innocent blood. For you, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So in a short period of time, they are praying to Yahweh, 
and they're understanding that it is uh he's the one bringing the storm and uh and then they pick up jonah and they hurl him into the sea and the sea ceases to rage and then it says the men feared the lord capital capital l-o-r-d yahweh exceedingly and then they offered a sacrifice to the lord and made vows that really sounds like conversion by a reluctant disobedient prophet who they had to pull the information out now wouldn't it be better if if jonah would proclaim the gospel to them but he doesn't okay but yet god is sovereign and he saves these sailors anyway conversion by a reluctant evangelist like jonah there's something hopeful about that that like even you know if you if you think about your friends and family like God will use even the smallest, craziest things to like bring people to himself because it's ultimately not about you. But yet he wants to use you because we are his means. He uses people to share the gospel. Um, and so God is get, showing his sovereign grace here in saving the sailors. Um, you know, and then, you know, he, the, Jonah would have heard them probably as he's in the water, you know, like praying uh, and saying Yahweh's name, and and here he is, like not even believing and not wanting to obey the Lord that he claims to know. Um, and so, wow, God is using all of these things, um, and He's ultimately going to use a fish. We'll look at that next week um, to get His attention. But um, why is God? Why is God doing this? And why is God so concerned for the lost? Well. You know, God is a God of grace. And uh, again, he says in Isaiah 49 that it was too small a thing, Israel, for me just to save you. I desire my salvation to be a light to the nation, a light to the Gentiles. And so as we think about um, the Lord and his purposes, we need to always recognize that it's not just about us. It's not just about RUF. It's not just about your personal salvation. It's not just about your church, your denomination. It's about God's big plan to uh, save the world, every tribe and tongue and nation, all the, all the elect, all those who would believe in him. And, we, and our job is to believe in that God and to take that message out. Um, and so Jonah, at this point, he, he knows, he says in chapter four, um, he knows that God is gracious. And it's so sad because... He knows that it, Nineveh ultimately will repent, but he hates them, and he doesn't want them to repent. He doesn't want them to be on his team. And so this is really sad, but it's deep in our hearts, too. We are, you know, we are tribal people, and God is trying to call us out to love our neighbors, right? To love um, all different kinds of people, you know? And uh, he wants his church. He's ultimately in heaven. His church is going to look like every tribe and tongue, a nation. And so here is a book that is, is calling Israel, it's calling a Hebrew of Hebrews, Jonah, to take the gospel to another culture that he hates. And God is going to do everything uh, to make that happen, even though Jonah is reluctant. And so the call for us, though, is not to be reluctant call for us is to not be like this Jonah, but to repent and to believe and to ask God to change our hearts so that we love, we love the nations. And so um, 
take comfort. God is going to be sovereign. He is going to uh, bring the nations all around him in glory. And so we can be a part of that. So um, there's some small group questions. Let me pray. Uh, and thanks for coming out tonight. I hope that you can um, think about Jonah and think about your life this week. We'll be in this book for the next few weeks. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for this very real story of the prophet Jonah and how you took a reluctant, uh, unbelieving, disobedient uh, prophet, God, and still uh, used him in a crazy way to bring about your gospel. But Lord, let us be compliant. <laughs> let us be people that love you. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen.